0: Hey, everyone, it's Peter Rosenberg from Cheap Heat. Join me and the fearless, physically large stat guy, Greg, and, of course, Super Agent 35 Under 35 Dipperstein as we tackle the biggest stories in pro wrestling each and every week. To hear us, follow The Ringer Wrestling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay mage and enjoy yourself.
1: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Miso Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing?
2: I'm right, thanks, man. How are you? Long time no see, long time no speak. Ha <laughs> <been> ha. <laughs> hours of... ago.
0: It's not even hours, it was minutes ago. <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Wow, the World Cup is at an end. It is at an end. Oh, it's been a month, huh? It's been a, a hell of a month. Yeah, well, perfectly put. It's been a month and it's been a month.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's do some adding super quick. And sure, we did our World Cup final episode with Ian. It was a Righties House Studio crossover, slightly different intros and outros, but it went out on the Righties House feed and the Stadio mm. feed. So, if you want to hear slightly different versions, check both out. It's also, really collect, good for more. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, that was really good because Ian was obviously there, so that was so cool. Just actually hearing someone's perspective who was in the stadium. A um, little reminder of our Christmas schedule 24th will be the episode about football things that we've been grateful for this year so if you want to submit one you can email us hello at stadio.football hello at stadio.football if you can get them to us by Thursday night that would be wonderful mm. oh no sorry we'll be recording it Thursday night so if you get, get it to us by Wednesday night that would be great Or Thursday morning. I think I might have said Thursday on the other podcast, but no, we're we're recording it Thursday night, UK time or European time. God, I'm all over the place. I need a break, Musa. And then we've got the Stadios in between Christmas and New Year. And then we will be back on the 5th of January. Other bits of admin. You can check Musa Okwonga's fabulous and I'd say pitch perfect piece for GQ about the World Cup. Oh, well, Thanks, man. I would recommend going and reading it. Also, check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Brian Phillips wrote a piece after, after the final, which was great. I mean, football and Didion. What's not to love? Yeah, it was excellent. Great work, Brian. Mm. Great work. And you can check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. A playlist of all the music we play out on each episode. The newest one is at the top. And I think that is all the admin. So this episode is basically you and I stepping back a little bit. Mm. We did the podcast around the game specifically, and we're going to look at the World Cup from a bit of a step back and also just our takeaways from it. Yeah. So let's get into it after this.
3: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
2: Should we do some good, or do you want to do some, should we do some well, good Well, I don't know first? if it's even, I don't know if it's that simple,
0: is it? It's more like, um.
2: Is anything ever that simple, Musa? Well,
0: well, some things are, but this one, well, you know, some, you know, the, the, the FA Cups have been simple, like, you know, there's the parameters that are clear, but the thing about this is, um, this World Cup, it was an experience unlike any other, and I don't mm. know, it sounds very, um, pretentious, but I use this expression already, this phrase. Or oh, sound pretentious. This is the most emotionally draining sporting tournament I've ever witnessed. And I wasn't I even in the I wasn't even the same continent. Yep, I, I wasn't even in the same continent. I wasn't even in the same room as most people that were watching it. I didn't watch it. I got to a single viewing party. I only watched this game. I only watched one game with one other person and it was unbelievably draining and intense. It felt at times there was something radioactive about this tournament, um, and there was something actually quite ominous. There was the first feeling I had this morning when I woke up. I started typing a note because it's funny. The essay I wrote for the GQ, I can say this now because it's up and people, it's going alright. But I wrote the essay and I went to bed thinking it was one of the worst pieces I'd ever written. I tell you why I say this because I was like, and I'm not saying this like attract sympathy. No, no. All fishing for compliments. I thought it was such a bad essay that I started rewriting this morning. I started writing it fresh again. I started writing mm. a completely new one, which is always a sign I don't believe in what I've written in terms of the quality, because I thought, how can I capture? I've just seen my sense of just complete joy for Leo Messi. And then also this crashing unease, this horrifying unease almost off the back of it. So I went out for dinner with a mate and basically like, he was like, oh, like, oh, how was the World Cup final? Cause he's not a football fan at all. And I was like, oh yeah, um, Argentina won. And about 10 minutes later, he was like, oh, it can't have been a good game. I'm not a football fan, but you haven't talked about Mm. the quality at all. And I said, oh, it's one of the best finals I've ever seen. And he said, well, you're not talking about any of that. And at some subconscious level, I feel like something incredible happened last night with the World Cup final, and also something terrifying. And the thing that got me with this, and it sounds a bit dramatic, but I woke up this morning, the first sentence I wrote was, football really frightens me. It really frightens me because when I I watched um, Macron on sunday and he kept hugging mbappe and saying yeah. and when i saw elon musk in the stadium and all of that and i know i know i know that football's a place to be seen i'm not i'm not naive yeah. in that sense when i was thinking of like the fact that these people innately understand power mm. how it's held how it's distributed particularly how it's held and repurposed and i thought all these people are here that, that frightened me because I'm like, if you look at the emotion and the mood and the sentiment and the passion and like Leo Messi's story and the fact that he's an ambassador for Saudi Arabia. And I was like, this moment, this incredible moment of joy and collective happiness, this man Messi has given us 20 years of happiness. And there are people watching from the side and going, yep, I can use this for this and this. And that, you know, and that sounds like a really awful downer to start with because look, the football, we'll get into that as well. Some of the, right, some of the most spectacular football I've ever seen And I just couldn't, I shouldn't be thinking about any of this. I should be thinking about Leo Messi scored twice in a World Cup final and he won. Childhood dream, no questions anymore about his greatness. Mbappe, no more questions about his greatness. Emi Martinez stepped up. Enzo Fernandez, God bless that boy, like unbelievable. All of them with their redemption stories. That's what I should be in. And the fact that I woke up this morning and my first feeling wasn't joy for Leo Messi, I've watched for like almost 20 years, but it was like football frightens me.
2: That feels significant to me, anyway. I think it's interesting there because I feel like this is the first time, hmm, I feel like this was a World Cup that suited the era that we're in. Yes. As a planet, actually. Yes. Um, It feels like all roads have been leading to this point, and now... Whatever the future will be is not something that we've ever experienced and no one I don't think is actually prepared for whether you agree yeah. with what's going to happen or whether you don't. Football has been gearing towards this point for, for decades. Mm. Stepping back from the World Cup, my first takeaway was we actually haven't learned a huge amount from this World Cup. It's just completely shown us for the first time the things that we already actually know. Yes, yes. In, in such clarity. And that's the main difference between this World Cup and previous iterations of it. Because, like I said, I haven't seen criticism on this scale before. And I think we mentioned in the very first episode that I think a a reason for that is that a lot of big media organisations realise that they should have gone harder on previous iterations of the World Cup. Absolutely, You said something which was an amazing line, which was just, there was the right amount of criticism for this World Cup. And I hope that that is something that gets taken into the future because I also think that this World Cup has been really interesting as two two Brits is is that actually some of the whataboutery that comes in with stuff like this has actually had a weirdly a slight benefit because Mm. it's made I think a lot of Westerners look upon their own nations with different with a different kind of view actually or see it through a different lens because you're you know you start talking about like kafala systems and then actually you realise that that's a direct consequence of colonialism and all yes. of this kind of stuff. And now this sounds like we just talked about a world cup final and everyone's just like, what, what are you doing? But this kind of discourse has been more normalized throughout this tournament than I've ever seen ever, before. Ever seen, ever seen. Like it, in Gary Escaping Neville yeah. is talking about it or like uh, Gary, Gary Lineker is talking about, I don't know what all the, all the Garys are talking about, it. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, in one sense, it's really, and I'm not saying that those two are like, held, should be held up as some kind of example. I'm not at all. But what I'm saying is that. The fact they have to navigate. But, but the fact that it is now like front and centre on mainstream English coverage of, of it is kind of something that I don't think many people 15, 20 years ago would have expected. It also has told us that. Sorry, I know this is a bit of a monologue, but I think it, for, it, another, another go, thing that I, I felt it was crystal clear from this World Cup is that we absolutely know who we can trust in football. And what I mean by that is you can hold the tournament anywhere in the world. You can put it in the most corrupt regime imaginable. You can put it in the most peaceful and serene and I don't fucking know, woke <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, imaginable. Yeah. And the people that you can actually fundamentally trust to deliver will be the same throughout each tournament and that's yes. the players and the coaching staff. Yes. Actually. And also, like central,
0: also, as well, also the, the FIFA, like- the FIFA mid-level planners who do the infrastructure, let's be frank, who like just have, who can run tournaments basically.
2: Well, yeah, maybe yeah. for yeah. sure. But I think in terms, what I mean by that is that like, I wonder whether this changes how desperate people will be to host World Cups in the future. Because I think some people might just not want the heat. I think, I think some people might look at this World Cup, some, some, um, some countries might look at this World Cup and be like, actually, are there smarter ways that we can we can we can use our money that might not bring as much heat down on us? Because the heat that has been is been it's been unlike anything I've ever seen before yeah. in, in the modern era. The other side of that is that it is it has completely given the blueprint for, you know, Saudi Arabia is like all go now for their bid, mm. I imagine. Mm. It's just uh, it's full of complexities because the overall thing from the World Cup, the most simplistic thing I took from it, is just that I think finally now on the whole, people realise how much the worlds of like politics and sport are completely,
0: completely linked. Well, someone wrote to me and said, can we celebrate can we separate these in the next the next, the next World Cup? And I said, No. I said the reason we can't separate them is because politicians don't separate them. So why should mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. If the people the very people taking these tournaments and using them for national prestige projects, which they've always been. Are using that as an inseparable thing, then why should we separate it? Why should we cater to an innocence, as Brian Phillips put it so well, that doesn't really exist Mm. in his Ringer piece? Excellent piece there. And I think, you know, so this World Cup, like that's how I feel about it, just my gut reaction. And it's, there's so much in the tournament, of course, that was remarkable. And this is the point as well the World Cup is a traveling festival. You're always going to get remarkable stories. Again, wherever you could host it on the moon, you could host it on
2: Mars. I mean to be honest it's like people say it is essentially like the the travelling FIFA theme theme park that takes place in a different you know it's like you can name
0: an incredible World Cup match that happened in the most bleak authoritarian state and the most hopeful democracy Mm. and you can name them the quality of those games and the enjoyment felt by people within the stadium will be the same level Mm. Um, and it's a real shame we've had to begin there but I'm just going to be honest that's where I felt like beginning because when I woke up this morning and tried to rewrite this essay, <laughs> shout out to my editor, Mike, uh, over at British GQ, because he's going to be like, what? We thought the essay was good, but I genuinely, <laughs> I was dreading, I was dreading the notes on it. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that to be fake humble. I genuinely was like, I've experienced something unlike anything in football before. And just to kind of just put this down there very quickly. I want to say this before I get onto the positive stuff, because there was so much positive stuff. Yeah. I have to say this as well. What really frightened me about this World Cup as well was the speed with which people unleashed homophobia on social media, as if it was a, like a, a debating point or like a banter or a bit of gag or like, I just thought it was really unsettling just how much hate there was up there. And it was really unsettling how much of that hate was retweeted by people who I really respect. It was really unsettling. Actually, there were people who I expected hate from and that's fine. There are some people who I really respect within our industry who shared things that were quote mark talking points. And I'm like, if those were about different subjects, you wouldn't have shared them mm-hmm. with a, oh, one interesting perspective. And it, it felt like there's been a long tradition of LGBT activism, obviously in the Middle East, in the Arab world. Sarah Higazi, many know the, the name there, someone who held up a rainbow flag, a Mash concert, and basically was effectively arrested and tortured as a result of that. Like That's someone from from the Middle East, from the Arab world who was ex- extremely brave and put that out there. Like Middle East and LGBT people exist, right? That's so obvious. And I saw so many arguments on social media about, oh yeah, this is not our culture. This is, the Westerners have imported this. And I thought all those poor people, those poor queer, frankly, siblings of mine, relatives of mine in the the Middle Eastern world, like, and in the Arab world, who are having to suffer that and see that, because I had to see it. And it was horrifying, actually. It was horrifying. And it made me, horrifying not on the point of, I wasn't physically afraid, I get the, but I, I, it hardened me and it angered me and it gave me a kind of cold fury that there was a part of when this World Cup finished, I was like, good effing riddance for you, for unleashing, that this was, this was, this actually made me, there's a level of fury I haven't processed and I want to just get that out of the way now because so much of what I saw in this tournament was beautiful.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think that's, again, kind of what I was saying before in terms of, like, I don't think it's really taught us anything that we didn't already know. It's just turbocharged it and stuck it right in front of our faces. You know, like, the collective joy that we all experienced at certain points, like seeing Morocco go through to the last four, finishing fourth in the tournament, the first African side to ever do it, the pressure that they had on their shoulders, taking the the Arab world hope and the African, like, as a continent hope, Messi winning it for a lot of people that united it. Some of the goals that were scored. Oh my God, yeah. Some of the moments within there, unbelievable. But also, some of the division and the hatred that became just like, it was a, I think this is why you and I found this a little bit exhausting afterwards. And that's, we don't want the sympathy for this because. No, 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 of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about sympathy. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that like in terms of covering a tournament, there was, it was really hard to to get those moments where you switch off at all because your mind... My, I mean, I feel like my mind has been racing for a month solid. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. because of everything that you're seeing that stays with you and the sheer avalanche of that stuff. Let's get real. The Islamophobia and the anti-Arab sentiments that have come out as well that we've seen where people have been trying to, trying to criticise parts of the tournament or the or Qatari government practices and have just strayed massively into that. Yes, and it's just like, yes. you're actually doing harm because these are a people. And we've said before that like a regime is not its people. What I really like to say, for example, with what Ian was doing when he was there was like, he went out and like met local people who lived there. Yeah. Ian engaged. Ian engaged. On the whole, just people got forgotten. Yes. Market workers yes, got forgotten. That's right. People who died got forgotten. Well, sometimes the players got forgotten. LGBTQ community got forgotten, Muslims got forgotten Yeah, by a lot of Western coverage as well. And I feel like there's just been so much, there's been so much noise, there's been so much debate and um, some kind of like media thirsty personalities, in, especially like, for those, like some that we've seen on our side of the world. And it's just all been a lot. Absolutely. I love that you said this because
0: here's the thing. You just mentioned Morocco for the first time in this podcast. And we're like, how far are we in? And that should have been a headline thing. But the the, the nature of this tournament is such that it has relegated the discussion of a story as incredible as Morocco to what, 15, 20 minutes into a podcast. And that's the legacy of this tournament. And who knows,
2: but this is the raw recording. So by the time I might have cut. This might be five minutes in by the time I cut all my stuff out. No, because your stuff's like, no, no. don't listen. Don't <laughs> no, cut that. Don't cut it. <laughs> Leave that in as well. But on the, on the positive
0: side, on the exciting stuff, I just want to like, I just want to like throw out and just riff for a little bit about the stuff that I found so exciting. And just Can we, throw we do out. that in
2: a little bit because I'd like to separate yeah. and actually just put a put a, like a
0: you want to put a marker a full in it? stop after this because I feel like. Do you think people just skip ahead to the joyful stuff?
2: Maybe people I'm will. Like we'll put to. Th- yeah, I think put it this way: there will be a lot of people. And I hope, that, I hope that a lot of people listening to this don't feel this way. But there mm. will be a lot of people who literally could not give a flying fuck about any of the first part of this podcast because they just don't care. They'll probably listen to it and be like, You're fucking two woke soy podcast knobs. Actually, that's fine. This isn't for you. There's plenty of other places that you can do that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm less generous than that, but
0: carry on. <laughs>
2: I just feel that like, I don't know. It feels like a lot of people are going to take a while to recover from this and I think it's changed a lot of people. I, I don't think a lot of people may, may be able to admit it to themselves yet or maybe even realise. I think it will fundamentally change a huge amount of people's relationship with football going forward. Oh yeah. And yes. Not necessarily in a good way and I feel that again the only thing I would say after this is that I think looking at a positive to, to, to segue slightly before we take a break we, we should expect this kind of critique on all organisations and all policies in any government that hosts a football tournament from now on. I want to yep. see, you know, look at the stuff that has happened in the UK while we, while this tournament has been on. I want them critiqued as much. I want that criticism to go there. I want the to go on the US yeah. when the World Cup goes there. And if football is genuinely going to change things to the better, that FIFA, we're, we're not, we're not saying this. FIFA are literally telling us this. Gianni Infantino says, we can change football for the better. All right, then. Do it. Yeah. Or like, yeah. we can change the world for, and all this kind of shit. Do it. Don't say you're going to do it and don't do it. If you're going to do it, do it. I'm all in. Like, that's, the, that's your, that's your aim. We're going to hold FIFA you to it. If they're going to do it, do it. I want that. I, I here's want, here's I the fo- thing, though. I want football to be used as a, as a, as a tool
0: to tool change. change, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the funny thing I want to throw in as well. It's interesting because you said um before about how this World Cup is not showing us not showing us anything that we weren't aware of before. So you effectively spent the first segment saying you knew what this was. (laughs) (laughs) which (laughs) is Which makes me very happy. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, this tournament, uh, so many things that threw up that were difficult to contend with, but the most of all, Mm -hmm. by far, to the point where it's almost, it's almost surreal, you know, the passing of Grant Wall at the age of 48. Like, that was just such a, Harrowing moment, you know, someone who was working so hard, who was freelancing, who was there under his own steam and building a platform with his blog, with his podcast, with his reporting. I mean, the quality of his reporting, the integrity, the the ferocity of it, but also the his fierce Mm. love for football actually is what drove his career. And that news came, Mm. and it was just like it felt like the cost that this tournament extracted in some strange way. Um, you said actually prior to the tournament. I feel bad, like about this. I feel like, you know, there was a sense of like, not that specifically, Mm. but like this tournament has been so grueling in so many ways.
3: Mm.
0: And the man worked, I mean, you know, the last piece he wrote before he passed about the death of a migrant worker and the flippant approach of the organizing authorities towards that, you know, death is a part of life. And he was just horrified by that. And, And for Grant to kind of succumb to illness, and leaving the space he left, it, it was, yeah, mm. it was a lot.
2: But yeah. I mean, Grant was, was, was heavy because we, yeah, yeah. we knew him and again, just sending love and thoughts out to his friends and family and, and also to the friends and family of other people who yeah, died through the yeah. tournament. Photojournalist Khalid Al-Mislam passed away suddenly during the World Cup. He was uh, he was a photographer through the tournament. Also. Uh, Roger Pierce, yeah. technical director of ITC Sport passed away through the talk and two to other workers well. whose names he weren't um, given
0: yeah that was the painful thing too it was almost like um, in death even they didn't get the names you know
2: again I think it was like you, you wrote a thing in the in the piece it's just like no World Cup no nothing is, is, is worth no. the loss of life no no nothing you know? yeah just another thing that made the complexity of, of covering the World Cup even more com- complex yeah from an emotional point of view for a lot of yeah, people yeah, and a lot of fans. Yeah, it's just, yeah, sending love and thoughts out to anyone. Grant the Great. Friends Grant, Grant the and Goat. Yeah, 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 much respect. All right, man, so let's do some good stuff. Wow, yeah. We haven't planned this, by the way. This is straight off, straight off the dome. Someone give me a beat. Uh, ch- uh, ch- uh, ch- uh, uh, Yeah, uh. My check, my check. One, two, one, two. Head coach of the tournament, head coach of the tournament. I mean, it has to be Walid, man, or Scaloni. Oh, this. Oh, can we give it to both of them? Because I think Scaloni has to have it, obviously, because he won the tournament. But also, I think in the way that he won the final. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. The De Maria switch onto the left was a little bit of a. Hmm.
0: It's wild because I was like, "That's just logical." And people were like, "Oh my god, masterstroke!" And I'm like, "He's a beast." It, it works, but it
2: worked on that side. You know? They were saving,
0: also they were saving, they were keeping his powder dry, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, for the sure.
2: Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think taking Morocco to the final four is an unbelievable achievement as well. It's unreal. Yeah, and tactically, the man took out Spain and
0: Portugal. The man took out masterclasses, like the way that they, they just dusted Belgium like it was nothing, right? They dusted Belgium and they took out Spain and, that is It's astonishing. By the time they got to play France, they'd beaten better teams than anybody else in the tournament. Like beaten them, like outthought them. That is absolutely wild. That those performances, because they happened so close together, they're not going to get properly dissected. Portugal entered the upper atmosphere where they dropped Cristiano and brought in like the new young players and like reconfigured the team. Portugal that night looked like World Cup winners. They looked like potential winners. It was like we saw the future and Morocco just came in and just snuffed it like Galactus. They came and they just ate that whole thing up. They ate that whole thing up. Nom nom. Yeah, they, they were having no part. Po- Morocco were going to devour everything. And it's funny because you see what France did against Morocco and how they scraped through against them. And like I said, like Morocco-Argentina is a hell of a matchup. I could see that being a 1-0 Morocco for sure. And Walid and Scaloni, I like that. Okay, jo- let's say joint coaches because Listen, the thing about this tournament at its best, it was the collective spirit. There are so many amazing photos of teams with players embracing each other at the final whistle mm. who just fought like hell. Like the Mbappe thing in the corridor with Hakimi. That was so good. And, he, so and he's good. like, yeah, Sadly, don't be sad, yeah. brother. You made everybody proud. Mm. So, th- so let's have, yeah, in the spirit of that joint enterprise, let's have Scaloni and Wally Regragui as the joint coaches, head coaches, nothing further. Can I say one other controversial question I've got to throw in there? What's the kit of the tournament? Who was cooking? Who had the best kit? Oh. So what was our team of the tournament going to wear?
2: That is a really good question. There were some good kits that weren't worn in this tournament though as well. Mm. Like, I don't think France wore their away kit which is great. England didn't wear the... Did England wear the red? I don't think they did, did they? Wasn't too keen on their home kit. I mean, away kits, quite strong. Um, the Japan blue kit was, was really good.
0: Yeah, I was, you know, was going to give a shout for Ecuador. Do you know why? not only because it was a beautiful kit, but also because it reminds people just how good they were, even they went out the group stage. There's almost something nice about people being, oh, the Ecuador kit. So yeah, it's a beautiful kit for starters, but also Ecuador played some fantastic football. And they're one of those examples of, you know, teams that don't get out of the first group, the group stages, but they make the tournament because they set the tone in terms of the quality. Mm. But they were underrated the way they beat Qatar. The Senegal win over them was again, super impressive. so yeah, I, 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 but I would advocate the Equital kit just for that reason, just because of the aesthetic, but also like in terms of what they
2: represented. Did South Korea wear their away kit? I don't remember. Because that was amazing. God, I mean, we should probably have done some research on this before we did it, but yeah, uh, mm, eh, I mean, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. That's <laughs> you know? fine. We're riffing. We're riffing. I mean, to be honest, the red and green Portugal kit was actually very, very slick. But that was, the, oh, of, yeah. the half and half was, was really good. Mexico home was brilliant. It's bold to have Ecuador in there, but I, I, mm, I'd I, go with Japan's blue kit personally, but I'll allow, maybe we can have the yellow Ecuador one as the away kit. Was that the one yeah, you were talking about? Yeah, let's go, talking let's, go, about let's,
0: go, let's go Japan blue kit. Do you know why? Because also Japan in many ways set the tone.
2: Yes. For the tournament. Yep. So let's go with that. Let's do that. What did you say was the next category?
0: Uh, goalkeeper. To me, it's just straight. I mean, Martinez.
2: I was going to go for Martinez or Ljubakovic.
0: I would have gone Ljubakovic, but I don't think it's close anymore because I think in the distance and yeah, saving, and also like saving, just saving the, saves, in the yeah, and I mean, also the last the save of Murani yeah, and the presence. All I mean, even though like, look, he does he does get marked down for the shootout stuff with Chumene. And like, we said this on the on the, um, the podcast like before, just like throwing them away from the spot like that stuff is just like. Phew.
2: Yeah. And some of the stuff afterwards that we saw was just like really unnecessary from some of the Argentina players, like, you know, take a moment silence for Mbappe. And all yeah. That was really and, like, and like, you know, it was weird about that. It was like, like Aguero slagging off Camavinga. Uh, Camavinga. Like just, where
0: did that come from? I just thought like. I don't
2: like, know. It just, he didn't need it. I don't think. Like, yeah. The
0: competition was, it was great yeah. enough. Like there was a level of, I was hoping, especially since like Martinez had sat with Mbappe comforting him at the final whistle. I was like, yeah, but there's res- professional respect there in public. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So keep that same energy in private. You've won the World Cup. Like, also, no need to be that.
2: one of those things though, it's just like, can we let's stop live streaming a load of stuff from the from the from the dressing room?
0: Do you know what it is though? It's athletes creating imaginary enemies. Yeah. yeah. You know these like siege mentalities that don't really exist. We have to yeah. create an enemy that's not really there. Um, yeah. But yeah. But uh, so I think Martinez followed by Livakovic, I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, and Chesney gets an honourable mention just because he was lights out for Poland. Oh politics.
2: my God, the double save that he made, remember, the it's not possible. penalty save followed with the rebound was one of the moments of the tournament, actually. I thought it was against Saudi, was it? I thought mm. it was a
0: miss. Mm. I thought it was a miss. When I saw the second one, I was like, oh my God, what a terrible miss. He's missed from six yards. And I'm like, no. no. I watch again. Chesney watches the ball under yeah. his arm. <laughs> it's <just> unbelievable. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Unbelievable. Um, it's like one of those like martial arts movies where the guy, where the hero, like someone fires a bullet at him and he like <laughs> he swats it away with a sword, with a blade.
2: <laughs> Are we doing team in the tournament then? Are we just yeah, making this not? up? All right, uh, I'm going to yeah. go Ashraf Akimi right back. Oh god, of course, of course. Come on, yeah, not even in dispute. Yeah, yeah, not in doubt.
0: Ashraf with the main character energy, the Panenka. Oh I know. God. Oh my god. Oh my and god. I'm gonna go He's taking the last uh, penalty in the shootout. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. If it comes to that. Yeah. It's a customary um, Panenka, yeah, yeah. Obligatory Panenka.
2: I'm gonna go for Romero at centre back. And I like I'm it. I'm not sh- I'm not sure who my other centre back would be. I mean, Gradiol, breakout centre back. Fra- oh, it's gotta be, yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, it's gotta be Gradiol, who has had an unbelievable woke up and just yeah. basically just got got done by I mean got done Who by the goat been? do you know what okay, I mean exactly. Like, listen, exactly listen in the queue like oh you know when like old schools have reunion parties I wonder if there's like a post oh oh there's a whatsapp group. and a signal group for sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is added yeah, you you to just chat. Added, <laughs> you, just, you just get it. yeah you just get to it exactly <laughs> <laughs> you get the notification as soon as you get back to the dressing room um, yeah so yeah that's that's it, a strong that's a strong say about Perrin I think yeah yeah very left strong centre-back back pairing. Who are going left-back? You know, it's funny because Teo Hernandez obviously went to the final with um, France. I'm not sure if he gets it for me though, but strange that because he was very, very good in some context, but also like against England, there was a recklessness that almost cost them mm. their the place at the dance. Left-back's the one place it's a bit difficult for me to fathom, I think. Who would that's you tr- throw That's there?
2: interesting. Mm.
0: Because actually, Shaw was very. Shaw, Luke was, Shaw really, was really. Shaw was really good. Actually. Shaw was brilliant. Shaw's passing. Yeah. Shaw's passing. Shaw's progressive passing was off the scale, <laughs> and there were like there were no questions to answer down that flank. Really, like he oh. was he was excellent.
2: I mean, it, it was so good that all Hammer and Guire did was either give it to Luke Shaw or just hoof it. <laughs> it, but just send it send it to Luke or send it long actually shout out Harry Maguire he went some adventures he, in that case you know had, what? A, a I really think Harry tournament. Maguire had a really good tournament so did John Stones actually and I think if yes. they'd gone further they would have been in the shout for, for the defensive like one of the defensive positions because they were really good mm. you know um, I, I'm down with Luke Shaw I'm I like that I thought
0: the way he attacked as well I think yeah. him and him and Hakimi either side yeah love it sentiment uh, yeah. sentiment so we put uh, who's the DM I've just had a terrible thought Go on No doing? Spain players Are going to get into My team of the
2: tournament Well it serves them right For going out On penalties to Morocco <laughs> uh, Sofian Amrabat Is in midfield for me Has to first be choice. Has to be
0: Has to be First choice Then Modric Closely followed by Modric I would say This the midfield he, control I agree
2: And I know that He, he didn't have the best final But mind. he was It's got to be Antoine Griezmann right Of course Oh my god yeah. Dude Has to be also, I think I have
0: some sympathy for his, what how he played in the final, because I think he was isolated as well. Mm. If you look at some of the passing maps and stuff, like Griezmann was isolated in that midfield. I think he kind of was a bit of a full guy, actually. So yeah, Griez- oh, Griezmann, Modric, Amrabat. Amrabat. That is a beast. That's such a Real Madrid midfield as well. That is like such a Real Madrid midfield. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, sorry, sorry, Jude. You were amazing, Jude. You're brilliant, but those three, Jude Belling, was amazing, but those three, they brought something that, my God, they brought
2: generational World Cup. They really did. I'm this gonna is actually go not as difficult f- as I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. uh, my fr- I've got a f- hmm. Killian's the, got to be on the left. Killian's on the left, and this is where it gets difficult for me because <laughs> Messi is obviously in it. No, he doesn't get my team.
3: <laughs>
0: I just said that to see your face. <laughs> <laughs>
2: my name is yeah, Ryan Hunt. Mess- You're probably wondering how I got here. Doing oh a podcast. God, such a maniac.
0: Do- what am I doing on this podcast? <laughs> um-
2: <laughs> you, genuinely looked, you genuinely looked scared and hurt by that take. Yeah, I just, I'm not going to lie. I just had one of those. Is this really what you want to be doing with your life moments? Can I say, talking of takes, what was Lathan looking so grumpy for? What was I that mean, about? I'll tell you fair, <laughs> Someone told him there's Latan take and he did exactly the same thing that everyone who's heard it did.
0: <laughs> At first he
2: was really angry and then he actually agreed. <laughs> you got me there, yeah. yeah.
0: No notes. <laughs> no notes. Simon so and think- Garfunkel
2: played. <laughs> Honestly, there's a choice here. So you yes. even put Julian Alvarez as a nine. Yeah. And Messi as the right side. Yes. Or, you go Messi is the nine, and, I know he only went to the quarterfinals, but I think Saka had such an unbelievable tournament. But then we've left out Jude Bellingham, who also- I think You have to leave, you leave them out. They're on the bench. I, th- I think- They're on the bench, right? I think on the bench, yeah. If we had a squad, they're on the bench, They're, in, they're yeah. in the
0: squad, for sure, for sure. But I don't, I think Messi, the damage he
2: did from right, from the right- And also, was... if you think of the impact of the Alvarez goals in the semifinal- like, especially the one where he was just downhill all the way. Dude. Like, you've got to put him in there, right? So front three of Mbappe, Alvarez and Messi. That's funny. Realize, that, that, that,
0: that could be PSG's front three. Like, it's <laughs> funny that actually we put, we put um, Alvarez over Giroud, which is interesting. No, but it's, it's funny that Giroud's in the conversation. I think he's in the conversation. He's
2: absolutely in the conversation. He's on the bench, for sure. But because... I think that Alvarez gets,
0: gets the nine, which is incredible, actually. This yeah, is a guy I mean, that's not really featuring for Man City. Not really to the level of his quality dictates. Dude, I like mean- He's if you're playing go, games. If you're he's playing go, games, but he's not the main, he's not the main, you know, he's you're not gonna the you're going to go bench, energy. Harry is on the bench. Like- Oh, inject it. Oh, oh yeah, me. inject
2: that. Like,
0: I might put, We've got two Ozzies on the bench, actually.
2: Do you know what? I might we put, put lucky on, on get, the bench. Are you going to put Moy on there? We're going to put McAllister's <laughs> on the bench for sure. I mean, Jackson Irvine's going in just because I think he's great. He's got it's tattoos. It's, so it's bench. Right, Jacks, Jackson, Jackson a Irvine. It's stepping right, right, on the bench. Oh, look, listen, Jackson Irvine. The thing I love about Jackson Irvine so much is that he absolutely looks like an Australian who moved from Glasgow to Hamburg. <laughs> He reminds me of a mate of mine. Like he's got a mustache, he's got tattoos. But when you see him when he moved to Glasgow, clean cut, short back and sides, not a tattoo in sight. There's a whole category globally of relocated Australian. There
0: is a whole category globally of that,
2: and I'm, yeah. I'm here for
0: that. Jackson Irvine.
2: Love Actually, that. while we're on while we're on Australia, I think just another shout for Graham Arnold, who you know has been around that setup for a long time as assistant before as well. Remember and 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 just the job that he did. I think. We mentioned it when they got knocked out. We did it. We did it more actually when they progressed through the group. But I think mm. now, again, one of the one of the, one of the great stories of the tournament, their progress through to the knockout stages, and yeah, and also the activism off the pitch, the message yeah. they put out before,
0: like shout out to Australia. Yeah, man, outstanding, man. Honestly, but just, like I said, again, Aaron Moy's playmaking, just so much stuff in that tournament that was brilliant. And what I loved about um, what Scaloni did, and this is credit to the teams they overcame, including Australia. He solved the problems. Every great World Cup coach, every coach that wins, whether it's Joachim Love in 2014, you know, just having to think, think, and Deschamps as well, 2018, to his credit, and even to an extent, some of this tournament too, some of the solutions he found, although he helped to the depth of talent that was, you know, at his disposal. Mm-hmm. Consistently solving problems, consistently finding ways to win differently. The goal against Australia when um, Rodrigo de Pau just robs the bank and just presses so well, like leading the press, even though he's been playing out right for much of the game, cuts in and Alvarez gets that tap in, like all of that, just moments of coaching brilliance that overcame very, very good teams. That Australia team beats a less canny team anytime.
2: Hey, time. Right? On that note though, it's interesting that we've got no Argentina players in the midfield. That's fair. I think Enzo's on the bench. Enzo was brilliant, but I don't think, look, who makes it ahead of Modric, they were all kind Griezmann. of like, they were all sevens, right? I, just, I think throughout the whole tournament. And I think, I think that McAllister was an eight. McAllister was, an eight. McAllister was an eight. I mean, he was on the bench.
0: He was, but I mean, they, he just did things where, um, I've used this analogy before, but that was absolutely the Samwise Ganges of this midfield. Yeah. Just always there. Can we just, not, can we just
2: not do something tactically pioneering and play a five-five-five as our team of the tournament? I would have gladly. Stadio has revolutionized football by putting four extra players on the pitch. No, to six. be honest, if we're going to be harsh
0: on centre back, Saïs is unlucky not to get him from Morocco. Oh my God, 100%. If He's we're going on to be, if we're keep it 100 Saïs on the bench for sure, it's going to be a big bench, but who cares? It's our podcast. Are they 20, can't stop is us. They're 26, 26 person squads, right? Even if it was 50, they can't stop us, right? It's our <laughs> podcast. Come at us. <laughs> Well, don't, don't come at us, please.
3: No, don't. <laughs> at
0: Okwonga. Yeah, go on. No, actually, yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> if you have any complaints at FIFA. <laughs> on yes. I would like to put, this is a bit hipster, I'd like to put Estepin on the bench for yeah. because he was brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and just, yeah, like these players all gave us moments that, not just moments, but extended performances. Amrabat was spectacular. Mm. Um, I've not seen a player's reputation rise that quickly in such a short space of time. To the point where his rep just went through the roof in terms of what he was doing in defence midfield, but also progressing the ball. Where he had to Modric just controlling the tempo in such a fascinating way. Griezmann, really excited to see where his career takes him next and how Atleti use him. Um, I hope that wherever he ends up, he gets used properly, and I love this role for him. I hope that he gets to play that role more because I love him as a striker, but I think he's even better in midfield. Actually, I never thought if you'd said to me. Lucy, you're one, are you going to prefer Griezmann as a midfielder than a second strike? I'd
2: have said no way. I did but think I'm that fairly- final, though, gave you, yeah, it was, the, it was a little bit of kind of like, okay, you can tell he's not played there forever. How do you solve the problems? Yeah, but I think if he, if he does have a future in a slightly deeper role, mm. the lessons that he will, he will learn from this World Cup final will be big. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's a very clever player, Griezmann, so I think he makes smart decisions on the pitch than some of the ones he's made off. Him. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, well, the... I'll I tell you what I could say about, about the Croatia as well. You could put, like, conceivably,
0: Kovacic and Brozovic on the bench too. Yeah. So that midfield was frightening. Wow. Actually, this is the thing about Argentina, right? That victory over Croatia is arguably the most impressive of the entire tournament. Because going into that and looking at that Croatia team that started, I'm
2: like, that is a dangerous. Dude, it's like... <laughs> Chucking one of the favourites of Royal Rumble out of the ring super early. And everyone's just like, uh... <laughs> like, and the way,
0: that, the way that Argentina handled it. Like, this is the thing. I know that there were teams with better individual components, although I think the Argentina team was still slightly underrated in terms of components. But as a team, as an actual team, th- they cohered so perfectly.
2: I have a shout. Our Argentina the side that has the biggest change from being 2-0 up to 3-0 up? Yes. Yes, they are. Because like, that they are. being 3-0 up against Croatia,
0: it was just like... Although, like I said before, it didn't feel safe to Modric went off. I'm two. not even from but Argentina. it felt a hell of I, a lot
2: more safe. It felt like five I was goals out.
0: safer than their two goalies. Listen, I, most, most of the games I've watched Luka Modric in, I've not been a fan of your position, right? And I've been afraid for them. Mm. If Modric is still stalking the earth somewhere on a football pitch, I'm afraid for their opposition. And I'm not even, that's how emotionally invested I am and Modric is playing. Because he just looks around, he shuffles here, he shuffles there. And all of a sudden he sprints forward a couple of yards and you're done. Because he's seen something that no one else has. I mean, the fact that like Brazil were out and the Croatia took them out is one of the great sucker punches in, in modern football. Mm-hmm. The way that he just saw that opportunity, he he just leapt on it. It was incredible. No, again, no Brazil players in our starting eleven, and this is a team that I thought would be a team of the tournament, a team that turned in some great performances. Richarlison, I think, gets a bench spot. He's one of the few people who yeah. could maybe argue one of the for the goals of the tournament. Yeah. He could argue for maybe a shout as a nine, but I still think Alvarez just did it at that level that he has to start as a nine but Richarlison just the heartbreaking, you know, we saw him obviously speak in Paris and he was incredible and so smart mm. and so excited about the tournament. We saw Gabriel Jesus have that heartbreak of go out, of going out. Yeah. The only consolation is those players will be back in four years. Yeah. You know, and they'll have a much more prominent role as well. And they'll hopefully have learned a few of the lessons. I think Brazil were a bit too, um, I think they cost themselves a the midfield. We were worried about it. We'd worried they go with this kind of four to four and just not understand you know, Bruno Gamarish in a different universe. Bruno Gamarish in the Croatia team plays in a three and that Brazil team goes further. Uh-huh. Like, does that make sense? Like yeah, I yeah. just I just don't I just don't know why they didn't use their three midfielders and just close games out. But anyway, that's my own shout. But yeah, um, that's our team of the tournament. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. A very loosely put together one. Obviously there are so many people we could have put in there. What about goal? What about your favourite goals of the tournament? And I don't want to say goal of the tournament because oh. obviously everyone just has their favourites. So we're not saying that these are the best goals of the Career tournament. Career Republic, but... South counter attack. Oh my God, that sun Pass. Oh. oh goodness. That... Um, oh my God, yeah.
0: Richarlison against Career Republic, again, wow. was unreal. Even more than his bicycle kick. Like yeah. the, the way that was constructed as a move because that felt like Brazil were on the way. There, there were goals that where they scored them you feel like the team's on a journey and it's going somewhere. And I think the, the best one has to, it has to be Argentina's one. The, the one in the final. Yeah. And the final, you know why? Because that was actually, the reason that goal was so incredible is because it was like the evolution of everything Argentina were doing until that point. It was like everything cohered, all the little things we'd seen elements of what they were trying to do the whole tournament in terms of their play and what Scalona was trying to do. And then it was all of a sudden like, yeah, this is, this is our final form. If that makes sense. Mm. That's a bit of I, a like, that's a bit of a dramatic shout, but I, that's, I think that's my probably favorite one. I'd like to throw in
2: Luis Chavez's free kick as well for Mexico oh against that Oh my, was God. my God. It's honestly one of the best free kicks I've ever seen. Wow. It was so yeah. good. A nightmare. It was, so it,
0: was an, good. it was a waking nightmare to have that, to have someone lining up with a The weird thing is, because the camera
2: angles from behind, I remember having a weird feeling like, this mic actually, you know when you like, you've got a yeah, feeling yeah. it's going but in. The thing yeah, was, like, it was yeah. like, was it like five minutes later he tried another one on the far post and hit the post? Or the keeper it's save terrifying. it. I can't remember <laughs> if it was saved, but it was like, it was like It was wild. It was like someone had uh, ramped up the free kick capability on FIFA. Yeah.
0: While we're talking about, I mean, talking about goals and big moments. um, I know we talked about goals a little but can I just jump and just, can we just talk about Messi just a little bit? I know that everyone's been talking about Messi and we'll talk about Messi more in the future, but just in terms of this specific tournament, right? Like we've all seen great players go on big runs in tournaments. We've seen Baggio in ninety-four go on the run to the final. We see like um, Brazilian Raldo phenomenon. We've never seen a world class player in jeopardy as quickly as Messi was in jeopardy. Mm. Even though we saw Spain lose one-nil to um, Switzerland in twenty ten, it felt different because that was a shared responsibility. We've never seen a player deal with a humiliation like he did against Saudi and then have it all in his shoulders and have to do it against Mexico. And it's like so many moments in this tournament, he made actions that were decisive and all the conversations about like being a butler were swept away in such devastating fashion. Like that, that penalty against Croatia. It's so weird, like when you say to me, Livakovic could be keeper of the tournament. I'm like, no, because the way Messi scored that penalty, you don't score that penalty against the goalkeeper that's the best in the tournament because the level of disrespect that needs to do that. That doesn't happen to just anyone. And Messi was almost like, it was every single challenge he was given, he didn't just face it, he destroyed it. Like he beat Ochoa and won the tightest games of the World Cup from 20 yards. The best shot stopper that Mexico maybe ever produced, and the man beat Messi beat him 20 yards. Like, this is what was so mind-blowing about this tournament. I think that actually Messi was so good. He was so transcendent match upon match that I don't think I've fully processed just how brilliant he was. Like if I go and rewatch the Croatia game, or the Australia game, and realise that this is a man that everyone has spent years planning for. Every coach has been telling their players, yeah, he's Messi, but he's physically diminished. Mm-hmm. But this is still how you mark him. Everyone knew Messi was coming and he still delivered yep. in every single game. That blows me away.
2: Okay. Did you see the thing that Scaloni said? No. Leading into the World Cup, he was worried saying, like, "You know, for everything that's happened, what would happen if they didn't win it? apparently Messi's response to him was, it will be fine. Whatever happens, it will be fine.
0: There was a beautiful speech that Messi gives. Yeah, Messi gives a beautiful speech before the Copa and he says how the world, it was the the Amazon Prime document. He says, we've been away from our families for 45 days um, and God sent us to the Maracanã. He rearranged his tournament so we could go to Brazil and win it there. And that would be even more special. And it was basically about like, it's been such an incredible experience and the friendship actually. This is the thing for Messi. The journey he's been on, going to Barcelona, Argentina fans not feeling like he was connecting with them or one of them. And it's so interesting as his relationship with Barcelona has been severed in a horrifying Mm. way. It's almost like he's found community back in Argentina and everyone now, he's at one with them. And the bonding experience, I actually am really happy for him that the bonding experience began with the Copa America Mm. because then it allowed him to enjoy, I think the finalissima is actually an underrated match in the arc of this, weirdly enough. I think it's one of those things where you're like... You know, when Kendrick released Untitled Unmastered, and it wasn't an official album, but it's actually one of the best releases of the year, the finalissima I think was very revealing because it foreshadowed how he'd perform against Croatia. The same kind of movements, runs, playmaking, like using Di Maria as a foil where Alvarez, you know, all of that. So there were so many guises where, you know, Messi really got to enjoy playing for Argentina for a full year between the Copa and this World Cup. So he's kind of had a really, not a farewell tour because it's not been like he's been- Well, he said he's going to, he said he t- wants to
2: play on because- um, Right. So do you yeah, mean he he's, had that like he's had yeah.
0: his, he's had a victory, I suppose a different way to look at it. He's had like a real
2: victory lap. I think he's lent more into that role. We've talked about this in previous episodes about like, you know, how he, all of a sudden he just became, he he was like all in basically. And I think that, that that's the great thing about this tournament is that actually, if you look at it going into the tournament, Argentina were on that absolute tear. I think losing mm. Los Elso and losing the first game of the tournament actually threw a load of people off how good this side was. Yes. Um, I still don't think maybe, you know, they, I don't think they were, they, they were one of the favourites for sure. Like we've talked about that. Mm. from But yeah, I think that the way that they've adapted through the tournament and going into the tournament, how people thought Argentina would play and how they thought that Argentina would, Win is different to how they ended up doing it because the personnel just shifted, and that's that's why Scaloni deserves a huge amount of credit. I think because yes, yes, the pressure that would have been on them to do that, even whether he says like it wasn't so much, it was, Mm. it really, really was, and we've seen teams before really struggle to handle that, and actually in sport more often than not, the fairy tale thing doesn't happen. Do
0: you know what's so amazing watching Scaloni, actually? The pressure on Scaloni is a bit like being the tour manager for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> everyone expects it to work. Yeah, yeah. Everyone expects it to work. And if it doesn't work, it's your fault. How the hell can you not succeed? How can you not fill a stadium? It's the Rolling Stones. But everyone that has been around the Rolling Stones in that organisation will be like, without that tour manager, we don't do it. Do you know what I mean? And he's that guy. Like, and the humility of him not allowing himself to cry or the way he does his body language, like holding himself together because there's an element where he's like my authority just from like the way he talks and whatever. His authority is such a fragile thing. This is a man, and, and Ian mentioned it brilliantly in the, the Righties House podcast, the crossover we did with them. Maradona coming out and saying this man basically can't coach, can't manage, like can't manage traffic. That quote that Ian mm. mentioned. He had to deal with that. Then he had to manage Messi and he had to handle the fact that Messi in physical decline, still a brilliant player, is going to be pinned on him if Messi doesn't succeed, he knows he'll be the scapegoat and he wakes every morning knowing he'll be the scapegoat if it doesn't work out. And he also knows that he wasn't as good a footballer as Messi and all these things, all these things that like people hold against you when you're a footballer who wasn't the best and same things that Southgate will have to deal with, but only Southgate never managed a Messi, right? And this is not knocking Southgate, it's just the order of magnitude is brutal because even for Southgate, the pressure is, I think, still mm-hmm. too much, in my opinion, and the criticism is too much. Scaloni holding all of that in And making it actually happen against all the odds. Honestly, like that's someone who, if that person's ever in Berlin in the next 30 years, I'm like.
2: We'll go for empanadas. I know a great spot. I just
0: want to be like, just just, 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 just to shake the individual's hand and be like, on a human level, what you did was so impressive. Because, you know, I start this podcast by saying, like, you know, football frightens because it's so intense. It does also frighten me because of the pressure of dreams, Mm. the pressure of making a lifelong dream happened. You know, stories about people selling their cars, selling property to get to the World Cup just so they could be there and support. And, you know, Redondo's Law, Argentina fans doubling with every, talk, with every round, Argentina go through.
2: And the fact that Scaloni held yeah, all but of also that. also think of the crew that are around him. Pablo Aymar, Walter Samuel, Roberto Ayala, like Sergio Aguero was there like around it. It's like, it's, it's, it's impossible to really, truly fathom, I think, what they've done, actually. It's unreal. It's unreal. And the fact that it's essentially a load of mates who did it, Yes, you know what I
0: mean—it's incredible—and it's kind of, that's it's the lesson. actually. That's wild. the lesson. It's actually, I and mean, it's funny. My friend uh, Martin, we play football together, and Martin had an amazing comment. He said, "The most amazing thing about this gr- this team is that they won as as friends." It was a really powerful thing, you know, because he's the only guy that plays for a club who's from Argentina, and it's funny because you say that, and that's what Messi said, and that's what Martin said. You're three completely different people, and you've all identified the key to this Argentina team—they won as he's friends. From well, you're leaning into it. You always were, but you're leaning into it now. <laughs> Next thing you'll be in the podcast, you be like, What are you looking at, silly? What are you looking at? Give <laughs> me that bubble. <laughs> listen, listen.
2: Hey. It'll we'll be like Rodrigo, de Pal's outburst when he was crying afterwards, and we'll be like, They all doubted me. And then he said something very <laughs> naughty, but you know, he said, they all fucking doubted me. They said I'd never do a podcast.
0: Can I say about Rigo de Powell as well, um, just on that note, before we close, there's also this incredible thing about players who become superhuman for their country. And actually, the thing about a player being doubted like de Powell is, well, yeah, there were doubts because you became something, you're merely very good for Atleti. He's very good for Atleti, but for Argentina, he was astonishing. And that is the thing. That's a, it's a, those are fair criticisms. Yes, people are going, you're capable of more.
2: But there's a level that DePaul unlocks when he plays for Argentina that is, is, is It's going to be interesting to see what, how that affects him in the second half of the season playing for Atleti because we've seen how World Cup successes can transform players. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, and who moves? Who's going to sure. move? Like, where I mean, this is the thing that yet, we forget. Yeah. Like, you know, we are a week away from the Premier League returning. There's actual Carabao Cup games going on this week. There are, sorry. And I think that's the, the, the shame about all of this is that we don't get that big summer break or big break, let's say, to really just mm. decompress from the World Cup, which is, which I think people should have on the whole. And I think the players should have it as well. And I know that some, you know, like the Bundesliga are back in a month. Um, but, you know, it's what Serie A is back in two and a half weeks, I think, and La Liga's back in two and a half, three weeks. And, it's just a lot, man. And that's again, you know, looping back to I think the thing about the, this World Cup is no World Cup is ever fully, fully positive. Um, but I think just there have been so many, so many things around this World Cup that have made it quite disorientating for quite a lot of people. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it affects the rest of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, great point. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we we talked about the game, we talked about some stuff, we talked about some of our favourite moments, some of our least, less favourite moments. Yeah. Um, uh, just a couple of other bits, quick. Uh, Kareem Benzema has retired from international football, which I think was probably wow. quite likely when he, when he didn't make the World Cup squad, I thought. Um, wow, that's big, that's big, it's still big it's news It's massive though. news, and he did it on his 35th birthday, which seems a little bit somber the day after the World France won, lost the World Cup. And I, to be honest, I think with him, they probably would have won the thing. To be honest, Even though that's, who knows, because Drew did, did hard, hardly put a foot wrong. So it's, yeah. it's just having... But then goodness. again, it's
0: the classic thing they didn't need Benzema yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And also just some really sad news as well. Another massive ACL injury in the women's game. Um, Arsenal oh confirmed earlier yeah. today that Viviana Miedema ruptured her ACL in the Champions League game last week and with the World Cup next summer, awful, it's just, it's looking very likely that the World Cup is going to be missing a number of massive, massive players um, because of yet another, yet more ACL injuries. Um,
0: for the, Can you, I can't, it's actually amazing we had a World Cup this good with all those injuries that we had yeah, actually to sure. be honest if you yeah, think yeah, about so it. so many yep, players yep, missed yep.
2: the Men's World Cup as well. And, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, thoughts going out to Viv, which really sad news. Um, seems like it's every week yeah, awful. Uh oh, all right then. Don't forget, so let's just, is that that is that, is that you good? I'm good, yeah, yeah. It was excellent. You covered it. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Well, in that case, let's get out of here. Don't forget, get send us your emails, football things you're grateful for. Hello at stadio.football. Get them in by Thursday morning, let's say. I think I might have said Thursday evening on the previous show. Mm-hmm. Thursday morning, European time would be perfect. Um don't forget to check the Ringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check the World Cup final episode on, right, on the Righteous House feed and on the Stadio feed. And don't forget to check the Stadio outro is placed on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Linda Magica. Let's make a deal. Anything to add, Musa bit.
0: Nothing further. Are you sure? Yes, Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I've unleashed
0: plenty of takes. <laughs> we'll be back on Christmas Eve. We will.
2: Oh, and happy Hanukkah.
0: Oh, vibes, yeah, absolutely. Everyone so celebrating.
2: Uh, much love, everyone. Have a lovely week. We'll be back with you on 24th. See you then.